When I retired in October 2020, I had no plans of pursuing another job. I had a long to-do list that included many home projects, a preschool to close, and family to spend time with. I was also still volunteering on the church board and as a youth advisor. And I wanted to play more golf, read more books, and hike more with my dog. Running for county council was not on my to-do list. But I always say you should keep your options open because you never know what opportunity might present itself. Even if the first response I got when I told someone I was running for county council was, that's a thankless job. I've heard that response more than once. So why did I decide to run for county council? I've been asked that a lot. Here's a verse from my annual letter, which is a summary of my past year in rhyme. On March 8th, I filed for office. Don't ask me what got into my head. I decided to run for county council rather than enjoying retirement instead. That still doesn't answer the question. So here's the elevator speech I wrote during the campaign. Hi, my name is Teresa Cull and I'm running for, county, for Los Alamos County Council. I came to Los Alamos 39 years ago for a job at the laboratory and I fell in love with this unique small town and its environment. I raised two children and volunteered or participated in many of their activities. I've also contributed to the community by serving on several boards and supporting our local small businesses. I'm a good listener and I appreciate the diversity of opinions and needs in our community. As your county counselor, I will make decisions that address your concerns and move our county forward while maintaining the quality of life this town provides. I'm ready to work for you and would appreciate your vote this fall. Thank you. Yeah. What about small businesses, affordable housing, a movie theater, the golf course? It would have to be a long elevator ride to include all of that. And we don't have tall buildings in Los Alamos yet. An article in the June 2022 AARP magazine <clears throat> actually helped reinforce my decision to run. It was titled, Why to Keep Working After Retirement. It gave eight reasons, only one having to do with money. Among, among them were a sense of community, a chance to give back, a sense of purpose, and serving the greater good. This article helped me understand why I saw public office as an opportunity and not just a thankless job. I attended more Friday concerts and went to Bathtub Row Brewing this summer more than I ever did before. Okay, the concerts were directly campaign related. The tub was mostly Jamie's fault because he turned 21 in March. But campaigning did get me out of the house a lot more. By the way, when I decided to run for county council, I did not know that there was a financial compensation for the job. I plan to keep track of my time so I can see what the hourly pay ends up being. When I made the decision to run for office, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I hadn't spent a lot of time participating in local governmental affairs, and I'd never run for office before, so I had a steep learning curve. Fortunately, I had a lot of people to advise and support me and an uncontested primary, so I had time to figure things out. Preparing for forums and answering questions forced me to do a lot of research <clears throat> on certain topics, so I could sound somewhat intelligent. But this didn't really prepare me for politics. 
In politics, the right answer isn't always the right answer, or it's twisted and interpreted to mean something very different than you intended. My work at the laboratory actually helped me prepare for politics. When I worked at the lab, I used to have a saying, if it makes sense, it can't be the right answer. I'll admit that was a bit of a joke, but at times it was definitely true at the lab, and it's definitely true many times in politics. During the campaign, there were some things that I said that made perfect sense to me, but were apparently offensive to some people. For example, when asked how I would make sure I listened to my constituents, I said that it, was, uh, that it wasn't only the people who yell the loudest that I need to listen to, I need to seek input from others as well. I'm still not sure why this was offensive, but when I was asked what I meant, I said that as a manager, I didn't just give a raise to the person who came into my office every day telling me what a great job they were doing. I have to consider the other workers as well to make sure that I'm making a fair decision. I also made a comment about county council meetings being painful that was considered offensive because some people thought I was discouraging people from participating in the meetings. I thought I was just stating the obvious and added that we needed to find ways for people to participate and provide input without actually having to attend the meetings since most people are too busy to attend a four-hour meeting on a Tuesday night. The other thing you have to do when you're running for office is talk about yourself. This includes your background, your community activities, and your interests and values. I actually felt like this was more important than showing my intelligence on local issues that may or may not be relevant during my tenure. I think I showed that in my elevator speech. But some people wanted to know exactly where I stood on a specific issue or how I might vote in a particular scenario. I hesitated when answering these questions because there are so many what ifs that factor into a decision. And what I personally would do may not be the right thing for our county as a whole. I preferred to tell them who I was so they would hopefully trust me to make a good decision and represent their interests fairly. In the seven principles in word and worship, the Reverend Parisa Parsa provides this reflection on our fifth principle. In our religious lives, the democratic process requires trust in the development of each individual conscience, a belief that such development is possible for each of us, as well as a commitment to cultivate our own conscience. We could call it a commitment to the value of each person. In the words of Theodore Parker, democracy means not I am as good as you are, but you are as good as I am. My connection with the sacred is only as precious as my willingness to acknowledge the same connection in others. That's the end of her reflection. As a reminder, our fifth principle is the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process within our congregations and in society at large. Before I agreed to this talk, my recollection of the fifth principle was more about the democratic process than the right of conscience. In How to Get a Conscience by Julia Yacoub, she defines conscience as the inner sense of right and wrong that guides your motives, what you think, and your actions, what you do. I think 
that when I was asked why I decided to run for office, some people wanted to know my motives, usually referred to as my platform, since I had no actions in public office for them to see. I did find myself committing to certain actions that reflected my values in my elevator speech as I got further into the campaign. I'm having difficulty believing some voters at the national level actually apply their conscience to the democratic process based on the people and issues they vote for. Or maybe their motives or where they get their belief of wrong and right are just so different from mine. Dante Qualas Jr. commented in the Philippine Daily Inquirer that, quote, to sharpen your, our conscience or our ability to tell right from wrong, we must cultivate the habit of prayer, unquote. He believes that, quote, by listening to our conscience, which is God's voice in us, we will be able to discern faithfully who the best leaders really are, unquote. I believe religion has a major influence on some people's development of conscience, both in both positive and negative ways. It's a lot easier for me to ascribe to the fifth principle within our own religion and congregation than on the larger scale. To make the right choices in life, Dr. Yakub actually recommends doing the following. One, use reason as your conscience. If you don't feel an immediate gut reaction, ask how would that make me feel? In other words, apply the golden rule. Two, think about the values and behavior of people you don't and do respect. She says to be wary of people who show by their words or actions that they lack a conscience. She calls them sociopaths. I won't mention any names. <coughs> Three, educate yourself by reading about people who lived conscience-guided lives. And four, this one's a little strange, practice tuning up your conscience by studying some unexpected sources of inspiration, such as fiction, films, and reality TV. In hindsight, maybe telling people who I am and what I value and expecting them to trust me to make the right decisions was somewhat naive. But I do think this was an okay strategy in a small town where I've had so much involvement in community activities. This strategy alone would definitely not have worked if I were running for higher office. The personal attacks at the higher level are something that I really want no part of. Unfortunately, some of these personal attacks have trickled into our local politics. There were times during the campaign when social media, including letters to the editor in our local papers, and comments at county council meetings got personal and ugly. That is not acceptable. Although some people would say it's just part of the process. That was actually a response I received from a guy who thought it was okay to harass me when I was umpiring softball in Santa Fe. Debates and comments need to focus on the issues, not attack the people involved. In the end, we need to remember that we all live in this same small town and will likely see each other at the grocery store. Speaking of seeing each other, I do recognize that I'm now under a greater scrutiny than I may have been in the past. But this is really no different than my work experience at the laboratory. As a safety professional and a manager, it was very important to me to walk the talk. If I tell workers to wear protective equipment and follow the rules, 
I better not be observed doing otherwise or I lose credibility. The same philosophy applies to the county council position. I've also had to up my wardrobe. I even accused someone in this congregation who will remain nameless and is actually not here today of being my personal fashion consultant because of her regular comments on what I'm wearing. And even though I tried to go to the grocery store early in the morning to avoid people, I realized I need to plan to be delayed in the future by a possible lengthy conversation with a constituent, which I will welcome even if I haven't had my coffee. I will say that even though I'm not a very social person, my favorite part of the campaign was meeting people at various events and while canvassing door to door. I put a lot of miles on my feet and my car and I met some very interesting people. There was even one day when I only made it to three houses in two and a half hours because of the <laughs> conversations I had with two of the people on the list and the third wasn't even home. This was also one of the most stressful parts of the campaign for me because I'm terrible with names. But I do remember the issues discussed and I'm looking forward to hearing more because I really do want to make decisions that address your concerns and move our county forward while maintaining the quality of life this town provides. In closing, here's another verse from my annual rhymed letter. With canvassing and numerous events this fall, the campaign really picked up the pace. I guess I must have done something right since I was one of four to win the race. Happy New Year to you all. <laughs>